I have a very, very, very special guest. Someone that I grew up with here in Los Angeles, that have seen my journey, knows my journey firsthand, front row, center, and backstage with popcorn. Jamal, Measy Worldwide, Weathers. What's happening? How is everyone doing today on this fine Saturday? Thank you, thank you, and I'm proud of you as well. It's a, it's a blessing just to be talking with you, you know? Uh, come a long way, and uh, you've done quite well for yourself, so it's a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for taking this conversation while you're traveling. I really appreciate it. Everybody, uh, Jamal Measy Worldwide Weathers is founding partner and chairman of Kush Boys Worldwide and chairman Correct. of Measy Sources, which is a cons consulting firm, everyone. Correct. And he's also a pioneer of the cannabis business. He's helped position a lot of brands into the marketplace to mm -hmm. position their brands in the cannabis business. Yes. Talk about legacy. So can you give me a small introduction to my listeners and viewers, and then we'll get started with the questions. Sure. Peace and gratitude to all the listeners out there for Wendy Washington Daily. Uh, my name is Jamal Weathers, as you heard. A lot of uh, people out there know me as Measy, Measy Worldwide. Um, I'm a serial diverse entrepreneur, and uh, all that came about in a very organic fashion. Uh, I've been in entertainment now for about 35 years um, on all sectors. Um, and uh, I've been an ambassador for the ambassadors here in the culture, and I've been able to do some phenomenal experiences, I would say. You know, I've, uh, I've toured the world. I've, you know, been in front of the camera as an actor. I've been behind the camera as a producer, as a consultor, consultant, as a reader. Um, I've been in fashion. Uh, tech now and just so many other diverse businesses and as you said you know I've been in, in, in cannabis on a legal front for about almost 20 years because I was doing a lot of strategic deals and branding before the plant actually turned legal so yeah we've uh, we've been fortunate and blessed to be a part of a lot of great business opportunities that's come about yes. so uh, I'm very very fortunate but but you know for the listeners my background is entertainment born and raised in Los Angeles uh, I ran track decided to um, leave California after all of the offers I received um, as a senior in high school actually being from Los Angeles but having a lot of my other side of my family in the Pasadena area I attended high school in Pasadena, John Muir High School, excelled in track. Um, after I left John Muir High School, um, 
went to Granville State University due to a a relationship from my aunt and uncle on a cruise that was with Eddie Robinson and his wife, uh, the late great Eddie Robinson, um, and convinced them to convince me to come down to Louisiana. Um, a lot of people that have a perception of Gramlin uh, may not understand the deep roots over there, but it was one of the best times of my life, actually, um, helping me to transition into you know my manhood and just to um, learn more about myself and my people um, down south, um, back east, Detroit, Chicago. You know, it was it was just it was just a very rich experience for me. After I left Gramley, um, I ran track for Gramley. After I left there, about 1993, I moved to Atlanta, um, and I had been going down to Atlanta since. I got to Gremlin in 1990 because my best friends ran track for Morehouse. And I really didn't understand a lot about Morehouse at that particular time, you know, knowing it was an all, all black men's institution. The perception of that was a little weird to me until I went down there. And that is a very rich experience, which my oldest child now is in his third year at Morehouse. So it's just like a trip to see things come full circle. And being in Atlanta at that particular time, there were so many seeds that were just being planted. And, 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 you know, I was fortunate to be right there. I was dealing a lot with Dallas Austin. He had, you know, dark recording studios. Um, he and his guy, Colin Wolf, um, Dallas's older brother, Claude, rest in peace to Claude and just, you know, Joy Gilliam, um, a lot of artists, you know, uh, Big Boy and Andre 3000, you know, um, the Dungeon family, Goody Mob, just uh, Jermaine Dupree, uh, Chris, Chris Cross, you know, Chris Kelly was a, a dear friend of mine, a young man, um, rest in peace to him, his mother Donna, um, his uncle Lamar, which that relationship kind of sparked from. Um, this is a lot that I saw, right? And, and, and I think that's why I've become visible and been able to have certain relationships is the, the time and the era, right? You know, so from there and coming back to Los Angeles and started to get heavy into music on the management side and had a group that was uh, signed first priority for Warner Brothers at the time, a deal I did with Benny Medina and Kerry Gordy. Um, it ended up, you know, touring, doing the first D'Angelo Brown Sugar tour, um, toured with Prince. It was just a lot that I saw from certain people. And then, you know, a good friend of mine started getting into fashion and ended up being signed to six companies to Ralph Lauren. And he and I had a condo together, Tyson Beckford, to watch that journey and to see things at that scale at that particular time. It was, it was, it was phenomenal. So been blessed and you know throughout all these relationships you meet so many dynamic people and so many people who are in executive positions and people that are just coming up that you see are huge executives now so you know it's it's, it's um it's been a great experience to That's see all so that because a lot of people today see me especially social media how do you know this person how do you know <laughs> that person you know these are not photo ops these are like real deep-rooted relationships that have been 
nurtured for so long, you know, and um, some of us have had to pivot. Some of us have had to tap out. Some of us are still going, you know, and whatever the case may be, you know, the love is still the same wherever those yes, people are. So I agree because I definitely remember you and Tyson. Um, yeah, when yeah. both of you were modeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Can you share with us the journey of founding Kush Boys Worldwide from its inception to its current position? Sure. Sure. So, again, Kush uh, Boys Worldwide was founded by myself and my partner, Drew Young. And initially, it came about through a, a script that, that we started in animation. The name was derived from of course, Kush, you know, um, when Kush first hit the California market, it was, it was, it was disruptive pretty much to the cannabis space. Right. And, um, it was the best. Right. And so we started to learn more about where the strain came from. Right. And we definitely were doing what we were doing in a traditional market, but at the same time, we started to see that light way down at the tunnel and the vision and understanding um, which was a little challenging how to start this company and what would be appropriate and ethical at the time, right? Because uh, weed was still frowned upon. Um, we started this journey in about 04, right? 04, 2004. And from there, working on an animation project called Master Kush, led us to start getting on a plane and traveling the world. So it was my first time experiencing uh, like MIPCOM, which is a content and seller's market um, in Nice, Nice, France. We also attended some uh, animation uh, festivals in Annecy, which is in France as well. There's people from all over the world. And from there, we started to just brand Kush Boys and we met a lot of people when we got back to LA. Uh, president from Hearst Media in San Francisco Chronicle reached out to us and really saw what we were doing and wanted to fly to LA to meet with us. Um, after we met, we ended up uh, in a partnership, 50-50 partnership with Hearst and the San Francisco Chronicle. And we came up with a, a, a media blog, a news blog called Smell the Truth. Um, and just from there, just like, Everything just had its own, just as everything became organic the way the brand was formed, right? And uh, and with the relationships and other business dealings, people were very embracing when we would have a discussion with them in regards to what the brand was and what we saw coming in the near future. We also have had beverages as well. Um, we, we, we took on, we took on a lot of different projects. Um, we were the first to bring THC con to the civic center in Los Angeles. I forget the number, but it was a massive turnout. Um, and with, and within that, you know, of course you have other brands that have been, um, in the space and trying to get in the space at that particular time. So, um, yeah, I could say we were really early in the approach that we, you know, entered the cannabis business with, you know, uh, 
um, took it on, you know, because cannabis was known as like Woodstock, Hippie, you know what I mean? Willie Nelson, you know, and then, you know, from the hip hop community, um, you would see certain artists talk about it or indulge in it. But I wanted to make sure that we stepped in <clears throat> what a certain etiquette and echelons and that's carried through. Yes, you know and I mean? the consistencies. Yes. And the high consistency scale, scale, is just yeah. insane. Yeah, the brand. Are there any notable trends or shifts that you believe will significantly impact the industry in the near future? Well, we've already experienced them. Uh, pretty much we've already experienced the shifts. We'll see some more, but basically, so <clears throat> just for instance, you know, um, there's, there's something we worked on several years ago called social equity in a cannabis space and social equity is a licensing program that was issued to people who were early on wrongly accused of selling cannabis or being involved with cannabis so they may have been incarcerated right and it set them back so what they decided to do was issue out licenses to to the black and brown right um for them to have the same opportunity as everyone else has. Well, it was a setup to it was a, it was a setup to fail plan because you give young men or young women licensing who don't have experience in knowing how to raise two to five million dollars after that, or knowing how to go out and raise um, 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 or hire sales force or management, you know. Um, that's the thing with us is that we've been programmed to be in love with titles and things of that nature, instead of just understanding the team concept to be able to complete a task. And capital money, whenever you're investing in a business, they don't bet on the, the horse, they bet on the jockey. And so, you know, about, about 20 years ago is when I started to really understand in a very, very serious manner how important management is with a business and how important the operators are, right? And a lot of us are, are in our own way um, based on titles and, and, and ego, but um, the shift has been very difficult for a lot of brands to survive because for one, there's a huge tax uh, problem and situation in cannabis, right? So that that hurts the margins of the business. Anytime you're going to thrive in business, it's about the margins and how you're going to be able to scale the business. So um, right now, it's been very difficult for people to pay their employees. It's been very difficult for them to reach any type of um, profit and margins, depending on where you are, especially retail. And a lot of doors are closing. A lot of people are holding licenses and not being able to do much. I mean, to be quite honest with you, you see a lot of these conglomerates are already invested in cannabis and they're just kind of waiting to come in uh, once the law passes federally. Um, and then you'll see a shift. I'm, you know, Coca-Cola, Corona, Anheuser-Busch, they'll all be in, in cannabis. You know, it's, it's similar to when alcohol is going through its prohibition prohibition stage. So um, you have to be very clever in branding and just very clever in 
strategy and surviving as a brand in any way. So um, I'm not sure what the shift will be next, but the shift, it, it, it's all about scale. So what you'll see is a shakeout. A lot of brands are not going to survive. A lot of people won't be able to survive the business. A lot of people who jumped in the business initially have already made their money and pivoted. You know what I mean? So um, what's unfortunate is that because of it is a thriving business, it can be a thriving business, but a lot of people jumped in thinking we can get rich in the morning, right? They don't really understand the the time and all the work that implies in being. That's really so interesting. That's what I would say. Yeah. Given your extensive experience in the industry, how have you seen the landscape of consulting and advisory service evolve over the years with Mies sources? Mies sources, yeah. So, um, well, I'm in a unique position. So my consulting company um, was formed simply because I get a lot of deal flow. I get a lot of people who call me with diverse deals and you know i don't have a, i'm not an investment banker i don't have a series seven or a series 63 so you have to be very clever and you have to be very appropriate in terms of uh, your business right uh, raising capital um, sitting on advisory boards things of that nature um again my business spun out from a lot of intimate groups and relationships that I've had where I've been able to be a participant basically because I'm a strategist and I have a lot of great alliances and, and, and relationships that could help a business uh, in so many different ways. And so again, with the consulting business, I also see, I see pros and cons in that today as well. Because again, we've had so many shifts, um, you know, like we experienced with the pandemic and COVID, a lot of people were not able to survive. And so now before, if I lost your number, Wendy, I could call somebody and say, yo, I need Wendy's number. I'm trying to get in touch with her. Now, if I call and say, I need Wendy's number, I might get interrogated. Why do I need Wendy's number? What, what am I intended to do with Wendy? Because Somebody's trying to put a hand in the middle of a possible transaction, right? And and it's understandable, but a lot of times is you have to let something develop too at the same time before if we know there's gonna be some something monetary that comes out of it, right? And so um everybody's a CEO now, everybody's a boss now, everybody is Everybody is trying to survive through, I hooked you up. So, uh, you know, you, it's a very um, competitive market out there in everything that you do. If you and I worked at Taco Bell and we were trying to, you know, scoot up the ladder in management, you know, we'd have, we have some issues. We probably would be dealing with some envious or jealous, you know, colleagues that would, you know, wouldn't be so happy that, you know, that's the direction we want to take. So I just look at everything um, as experience 
experiences and lessons. Because that's another thing we've all been taught to look and scale things as good and bad and right and wrong, right? And to mature, you have to just understand people's circumstances and why they move the way they move. It could be fear, it could be insecurity. Is so many different things that you have to factor in before just trying to give a, a outcome or, or 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 talk shit about a person. You know what I mean? Without understanding their yes. position, regardless of whatever it is. So, uh, yeah. it makes for me. If it makes, makes clear sense, sense. listeners. Um, but one thing I love about you is you found ways to navigate um, because of your roots and your relationships. So that's how you were able to define a difference um, because of your years of relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As the founding partner and chairman, your role involves significant leadership responsibilities. How do you approach decision-making within the company? I approach it, I approach decision-making. It depends on what, what we're looking at and what we're dealing with, right? Because I'm usually in a team setting. And so I respect and value everybody's opinion or decision-making. And from there, so, so just so you understand how I look at business and how I've been taught to look at business. And I tell people this is, a, I look at it from a military eye through a military lens. The problem with us is that we're we're fixated on monetary value. You know what I'm saying? We're fixated on money. That's that's become our God now. You know, we love money, we love cars, we love jewelry, we love things that impress the woman. And it's really a trip to me because and I'll I'll speak for myself, my culture, my people, we've been taught to disrespect our woman, who is the agency of creation. We've been taught that it's cool to disrespect women. And there's no civilization or nothing that's going to be produced or brought to fruition without the woman. So I don't think the woman should be disrespected. And so when I'm in these team settings and I'm listening at all these different decisions, we have to come with a unified decision, an amicable collective decision, a cohesive decision. And so it just depends on on, on what it is. But what I'm going to do, Wendy, always is either through the knowledge I know of or my experience or someone that I know who may have experienced something, I'm gonna I'm going to go off of that, right? So I'm just always trying to make the best decision for the collective. It's never, it's never an opera thing with me. It's not me, 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 me. It has to be a, a, a we and a us thing. And so I try to assess the matter, consult with my partners yes. and make a decision based on that. And I love when you said a military eye, cause that, that really made a difference for me. When you said it, it I honed in more to get your response. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be more protective. You know, we have to be more 
serious and protective of our our values you know of our values and you know we um we've done so well in so many different categories and businesses but we also have been very negligent and very ignorant with that right so we still have a lot of maturing to do and we still have to um learn to work with one another you know but there's no more leadership wendy you know um and that's that's another programming is that you know we've watched any of our people who have been in leadership forms we've seen them be, be killed or we've seen their, their their characters be assassinated and not only that but other institutions that have worked for us such as the churches in our community i was telling someone the other day no one respects the church anymore. You can say you do, but, you know, I hear people saying, hey, pastors, they this and that. I want to see your work. How many lives are you changing? I never see you in the community. You're scared of the young men that, that, that you know, is gang banging and drug sledding in the community. You know, and, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, our respect and our ignorance, um, it has to be checked. But you know, we have to respect leadership and a lot of us don't, you know what I mean? You, if you listen to everybody, they refer to themselves as a, as a boss. Everybody's a boss now. Facts. And everybody needs to understand yeah. the difference between a boss Facts. and a leader. Hmm. So, yeah. Wow. How did your leadership and the company strategies contribute to overcoming this hurdle? Um, just, just strategy. Um, you know, we've had some bumps in the road as well. Um, so I'm not sure the year, it's probably been about 12 years ago, maybe 13, uh, was part of an inception uh, cultivation in Winchester, Kentucky called Jen Canna, which was inspired by a young lady with autism, Charlotte, um, who was having, I think, north of 200 seizures a week. And you saw CNN, Sanjay Gupta did a special on her. Well, that was my friend that owned that uh, particular strain that he named Charlotte Webb for Charlotte. Uh, we started this farm. I brought in a very, very serious group to help fund the business. And this business started to yield over a billion dollars just in uh, CBD. This farm was just all CBD. There was no THC. Uh, was an old old tobacco farm in Winchester, Kentucky. That business was thriving, learned a lot, saw a lot of uh, things that failed as well. And I, I think about, it's been about three years now, maybe a little more, um, the board voted my boy off, who was the founding chairman, right? Um, did, did quite well. But again, you, you start to see as your business scales, you know, a lot of us may know how to take a business from zero to 500,000, zero to a million dollars. It takes great expertise to take the business from a million to 10 million or 10 million to 100 million. You have to understand that scale value and, and what it takes to get there, right? And so we've opened a lot of retail as well um, in the Bay Area, which we've sold. But 
we've also seen some things that didn't work so well. We've been a part of a lot of cultivation uh, partnerships where some have thrived, some have failed. You go, you you go through trials and tribulations through your business, right? You not you don't expect it to rain for two months straight and flood your whole cultivation out. So it's not it's not necessarily how we were able to like hurdle these certain uh situations, but again, we've been just very smart with the brand, right? And I understood the culture aspect of it from a very early beginning. So we've been able to do things holding hands in the culture outside of cannabis. We've done special events with the Griot Gala and the Oscars being the first cannabis company to, to be, you know, uh, in, in a post relationship of the Oscars we've done, we've hosted like three events with them, right? Remy Martin. Um, you know, NBA All-Star, you know, when everybody was doing parties and, you know, everybody can't have a party at the same time. So what I decided to do, let's do after hours, brought Kid Capri out, you know, it was a good, it was a good, it was a good thing to bring Kid out for two days, DJ Drama opened up. We've just done a lot of strategic and different experiences to kind of stand up aside from what everyone else was doing right so i think that's it just being unique and organic and being authentic that's what i noticed uh most people have embraced about us is the authenticity and 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 the consistency right you know what i mean and and we love the business i didn't get in it of course we all want to make money we all have to survive but i didn't get into it for that got into it because i love it that's why I got into hip hop because I love it. You're in acting, I'm acting because you love it. You know what I mean? It's not, you're not playing with it. It's not a game, you know what I mean? So it's in me, it's not on me. So I just think um, having res yes. respect, value. And I actually and, attended one of and, your events and, you know, years ago around. when We've I been able to survive. came back, you know, to the West Coast. Remember when I, yeah, you invited me. You invited me. Nice. <laughs> did you hang out with me? Did um, you hang out with me? <laughs> nice. Did you hang out with me though? <laughs> or was you running? You you went in there and worked the floor. But I you had a great time. You went around and worked the floor. Huh? Um, no, well, I missed that one. It was the one before that yeah. one, but it What's was in one Hollywood. Was that? Was that the one at Yamashiro? And you had like all these different. Um, booths with different products and um, champagne. You know, I don't take any of the, you know, I don't do any, but I, ha I had, of course, you know, I had the champagne. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it oh, was, yeah, no, it was great. It was fabulous. It was such a very, nice, yes. very, very nice event. All good. You're so funny. Glad Without divulging there. confidential information, could you highlight a particularly nice. satisfying or challenging consulting project that stands out in your memory? Yeah, you know, I would I would say uh, about 15 years ago, um, started a venture, uh, which I became a partner. It was, a, it was something very outside of the box for me. Um, 
and it's a water company that I'm a part of that is uh has some very great partners aligned with it. Um, it's a business with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Sean Diddy Combs, um, Ukaipa Companies, which is owned by a billionaire in Los Angeles named Ron Burkle, who's just been very, very, uh, very kind to me, treated me like an uncle and give me a lot of access, right, to high-level business. And a great product, but again, this is when I began to learn, you know, initially when we were approached, it started, someone approached me about getting Mark involved and trying to do maybe just an endorsement deal and a testimonial or something of that nature. And Mark was working on a film at the time with Christian Bell and David O. Russell called The Fighter. And uh, he was having a very difficult time in his training and recovery process. So he wanted to try the product. He really liked the product. So he said, you know, Jay, if we get involved, let them know we can get involved all the way, though. We want to be a partner and not we don't do any endorsing. So within that, um, the management at the time, they weren't beverage guys. You know what I mean? These were guys who have had management experience, but, you know, being in the beverage sector is a very different level. And, uh, you know, I traveled around around the country with Ron for about two years after he had given a commitment of, yes, he wanted to be involved and be a, a strategic partner, but it was just taking so much to button things up in a due diligence process. Just a mess, bunch of shitty diapers. Um, and then, you know, having to restructure the board, having to restructure complete management um, to see, you know, kind of me spearheading that and and just seeing um the process that it took it looked very challenging and um at times you you know we were thinking the doors were going to close on this business and we've been surviving now i think we're going on 16 years you know and the water business is a very crowded category it's a very challenging category but again being having smart partners having a smart operators who understand margins, business, and scale, you know, we've been able to survive, you know, and um, it may, it may, it's making me proud for sure, because a lot of people didn't believe in it initially, right? Um, same with Wahlburgers, which is a franchise that Mark has now and done quite well. He's had a, basically a free commercial for 10 years, which was his reality show on A&E to see this business grow and to take it around the country and, you know, international, you know, I helped him on the inception of that as well, you know, um, design and branding, you know, capital, but just seeing all these different things, uh, it's just a learn, it's, it's like you have to learn on the fly and then what you already know, understand how to, um, mold that clay at the particular time. You know, you have to be a fast thinker. It's, again, it's like war. So you're at war, right? And you have to understand um, where to attack, not to hurt a civilian, you know, certain things. So with me, I've just been fortunate with the people that I've been able to learn from because they have so much 
a high value and expertise and experience um, in anything that I've been involved with. So that's what I would say. I think it was the water company that was actually a challenge for me. It looked like a deal that wouldn't happen. And it would have been quite disappointing if it yeah, didn't. Yeah, I remember. To see it happening, to see I it remember because you had told me that growing, you were putting a water business together and you guys were running the campaign at the time. I remember that. That was a while ago because you guys did something with Jimmy Kimmel. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course I do. Yeah, because you told me to watch it. So I watched it on Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Correct. Well, you got a sharp memory. Yeah. What were the key factors that contributed to the success of this project and the lessons did yeah. the company learn from the experience today? Management, losing money, which is burn rate, right? Uh, ego and camaraderie, right? So, you know, you always, you know, and every day is not the same. So just, you know, I try to just focus on myself and being consistent individual. Because also thing that I learned about, especially with the water company, probably had seven CEOs at that company, right? And the first two CEOs, I'm sorry, the first three CEOs prior to us acquiring the company were phenomenal individuals. Um, John Cochran, individual we brought in, he built Fiji Water and Palm, right? Took that to a billion $2 billion company, you know, years ago. And just learning from that, right? But you see where certain headbutting can can occur, right? And and you don't have that compatible team that you need, right? You know, it's about just finding the right compatibility. Um so again, you know, I like to stay who I am and full circle John Cochran, the gentleman I'm telling you about, ended up running one of the biggest cannabis companies in the business, right? And he ended up giving me a call. Prior to that, he wouldn't have a discussion about cannabis, but you see, you know, and I tell people this all the time, man, you're thinking about the situation at hand right now. You don't know where this gentleman will be a year or two years from now. And that's why I'm constantly invited into these different sectors is because people remember what I've done for them or what my behavior was, right? And so that's how I've been invited in so many diverse things. So I think that's it, is, is, is the respect and humility, the core values of family, you know what I mean, that, 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 that you should have before you think about making the money and being able to deliver what you're saying you can deliver. If I can't deliver something, I'm gonna be forthcoming and saying I can't deliver it, but I may know someone who can. Yes, so and I think um, honesty, also, humility, in light like of that, all those that's the Mamba mentality. Basic applications that we should have. By the way, yes, yes, that's the Mamba mentality. I don't know.
So, can you please tell my listeners and viewers where can they find you? Sure. Sure. Uh, I'm on YouTube at Kush Voice, K-U-S-H-B-O-Y-S. And I'm on Instagram at Kush Voice, at K-U-S-H-B-O-Y-S, at Kush Voice Drip, D-R-I-P. Uh, we have a new website that's going to be dropping in another about three weeks called Kush Voice Kush Boys Drip, which you can get there from kushboys.com too. That's going to be all apparel and accessories, fly shit. And then you can catch me at Measy Worldwide. So M-E-E-Z-Y-W-O-R-L-D-W-I-D-E. Let me say it because Wendy's you not going to spell it correctly. All right. I'm going to give you a pass. Listener. Yeah, I'm going to give you a pass. But <laughs> this is a true joy because... That's the lead. That's, this my, that's my Leo Human shit. being right here has changed lives, brought opportunities. You've uplifted so many people to change their lives in business behind the scenes. And I greatly appreciate you also for being always a dear friend, great advice, a phone call away. <laughs> I thank you for that acknowledgement. And uplifting me yeah. on so many levels. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on Windy World Daily with Wendy Washington. And I want to thank everybody Absolutely. for thank listening you. to this very, very, very important conversation um, with a person that I've been trying to get on my show for since the first episode. But I was able to connect with you on the third episode, which is more meaningful to me because facing so many challenges in our new world. And um, so timing is everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, it is everything. Thank you for your service and all your work and your dedication and yeah. commitment, you know? Thank you. You Thank do a you. lot as it's well. God. So it's all God. We definitely appreciate you. God. This and, uh, you it comes from within work. to come out. So everything you see outward is from within. Mm -hmm. So when I look in the mirror, I get mm -hmm. emotional because I think so fabulous. You know? So it's like, it's called age, sure. ageless beauty. Such a blessing. Thank you. Good. Such a blessing. Hi, everybody. My name is Wendy, and I am the host of Wendy World Daily with Wendy Washington. Wendy World Daily with Wendy Washington is Monday through Friday for 15 minutes every morning. Exploring and introducing Hollywood's most trending topics to interviewing creative influencers and celebrities. I will be living a world daily of entertainment, fashion, beauty, and lifestyle. 
I can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. So make sure to subscribe and be ready to download Wendy World Daily with Wendy Washington. I look forward to seeing you there.